to another wonderful episode of Old Fart Sports. I'm your old fart, along with a couple of young wet ones. I've got P-Huff on my right, and I've got Roar Dog on my left. Gentlemen, let's get after it. All right. Man. Keep your hands up. I'm ready so to that's run. that's what we're going to do. Okay. okay. You oh, got it? Yeah. Need a head, need a groin, need a head, need a groin. Hey, hey, make 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 headbutt, headbutt. Ah! So... <laughs> One of these days, we're going to have to get that guy in the air. None other than uh, Scotty Farrell. Farrell on the bench. Farrell. Knee to the head, knee to the groin. He used to do that, actually. He would do that on his show on KMBR, and it was just great. Waxed mahogany. Kind of sounded like um, <laughs> Wolfman Jack. So, huh. I don't know if you guys have gone on the Wayback Machine, but the old fart will have to take you in the Wayback Machine. Please. And we're going to go kind of way back, but not way, way back, but definitely way back before both of you guys were born. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about Roar Dog's favorite team. He's now adopted the Buffalo Bills. And we're going to talk about, well, you know, as much as they've been ridiculed, I think they should be praised in the fact that they made it to four consecutive Super Bowls. But nobody ever looks at the fact that, you know, you got to be good enough to get there in the first right. place. And, uh, you know, they had, the, they had a couple of key components in the architecture of that organization and one was Bill Polian. Bill Polian, that guy is just amazing what he's been able to do in all realms of football from the Canadian Football League. He started the AAAAAAAF. How many? That's How many? 14 A's I think. It's yeah. got a lot of A's in there. I don't know if he was that good of a student, but he definitely had enough in the uh, naming of that football league. But the guy that really is is kind of the quiet quite assassin if you will and he wasn't really an assassin he was just a brainiac and that's marv lee and marv he led that team to 13 and 3 13 and 3 11 and 5 12 and 4 over a four-year spell that's 49 and 15 guys that's some damn good football coaching it's not bad not too bad no, at all not bad I mean, at all wouldn't you love well first of all you wouldn't be playing that many games in high school but can you imagine if your high school football coach was that successful you'd want to go out and play for him that's yeah. right and there was a guy that really wanted to go out and play for him and and one of the things you know i look around the past of the nfl and the guys that were quick decision makers and one of them that you know i respect a lot is kurt warner and the reason he was such a quick decision maker was his time in arena football mm-hmm. well with jim kelly and I happen to know if I have proof of this. What's that? Uh, well, I have a Mouse Davis paycheck canceled. He did cash it. He's got his signature on the back, gone through the bank, endorsed everything. He was his head coach in the USFL for the Houston Gamblers. And Mouse Davis was known for the run and shoot. And as a matter of fact, when Neil Lomax scored 105 and 93 and 75 points for Portland State University, he did it under the auspices of Mouse Davis. 
And Jim Kelly comes in, and that's his head coach at the Houston Gamblers. And that was in the USFL. And that, to me, is the reason that it became the shotgun, or what did they call it, the, the, the K-gun offense, because of Kelly. Yep. And I really Jimmy. think that has a lot to do with it, is the fact that Mouse Davis promoted the fast-moving offense that became the Buffalo Bills. And that's that's part of it that I'm, you know, happy to talk about. But we'll talk about much many other things. Of course, Jim Kelly there. But the guy that and, – and the other day, Rory, when we were talking, I said that perhaps maybe this, the best second-round draft pick ever, yeah. and that became Thurman Thomas along with Kelly, members of the Hall of Fame. Uh, you look at him in 1991, he was an MVP. He was also the offensive player of the year that year. And then around the uh, the wide receiver position, you had James Lofton, and James Lofton was a sprinter. He was out of Stanford. Uh, just to show you what kind of talent evaluator Bill Pullian is and was, is that he found a guy named Andre Reed out of Coatstowns, Pennsylvania. How many players in the NFL have played at Kutztown, Pennsylvania? Answer one. One. Andre Reed. So Andre definitely came through. <laughs> he was a, a key guy in their offense along with a, a person in their fourth year that they added from the Indianapolis Colts. That would be Billy Brooks. At that time, they went with a three wideout setup. Lofton was uh, traded away at that time. I believe he went off to the Raiders. And you came up with uh, two of the guys that actually became the stellar part of their special teams in Don Beebe from Chadron State, and then also uh, Steve Tasker, who was known as the monster among, among monsters of special teams lore. And, uh, you know, a little bit of history for the, for the old fart here is um, if I had have stayed in Louisville, Kentucky, I would have resided and gone to Trinity High School. Mm -hmm. And Trinity High School was the home of many, and one of the many was the left tackle for the Buffalo Bills at that time, Will Wolford. And Will Wolford was a, uh, a stellar offensive lineman in his own right, but they did have a great offensive line to protect Kelly, and that was along with Jim Richter and, and Kent Hull and John Davis and Howard Ballard. You know, maybe not your household names, if you will, but definitely names within the football world that people were familiar with. And those guys formed a great offensive line for Jim Kelly. And of course, you can't go anywhere on the defense without mentioning two that were really stellar. One, sh one should have made the Hall of Fame, one did. The one that did make the Hall of Fame was Bruce Smith, Virginia Tech. Uh, you know, he's a tutor for uh, one of my guys, Miles Garrett. Brown talk. I got my brown mm, talk and I'll quit. Mm. Uh, but Bruce Smith was the 1990 Defensive Player of the Year. He was a disruptor like no others. And uh, while you look at him, he was a mild-mannered guy. But, you know, once you got him on the football field, he was not. The other guy that should have made the Hall of Fame that did not was a linebacker. And when I think of, you know, there's a lot of people that look around and they look at the old Packer linebackers during their heyday and everything and the, the Cowboys linebackers and that sort of thing. But for my money, I think the Buffalo Bills had the four best linebackers at one time. They had Cornelius Bennett out of Alabama. They had uh, Conlon, who was a middle linebacker from Penn State. And they also had two guys that were really kind of whacked out. 
And one was Ray Bentley and the other one was Daryl Talley. And both of those guys would show up and they'd have the eye black on and they do, you know, they try to intimidate the opposite team. They play a little, I won't say dirty, but a little bit chippy, sure. you know, and nothing wrong with being chippy, oh. you know, especially if you've got the uh, the dip for it, you can be a little, all the chippy you want. That's but, right. uh, That's right. you know, and then the defensive backs, they were people that uh, took advantage of the opportunities given to them by their linebackers and by their defensive front. Uh, Kirby Jackson, Nate Oldham was a guy, he was kind of a ball hawk, found a way to intercept the pass often. But over time, they also added integral parts to those as the guys got older. But uh, what Pullian did is Pullian was able to get guys that were, say, between 24 and 28 years old, right in their heyday. He meshed that that uh, uh, conglomeration of players together so well that that's why they were where they were at for four years. And you look around, I mean, guys, they were really good. And, you know, like I need to be telling you that, no. But there was no other team that actually went to four consecutive Super Bowls ever. That's you right. Know? Never that's, happened that's, ever. No. You know, there's been teams like the Cowboys went to four NFC championship games. And, and um, you know, the Denver Broncos, they made the – AFC championship game three out of four seasons, and I think four out of six seasons. Philadelphia, even as recently as the uh, the zero zeros, the double odds, they were in uh, four out of, yeah four consecutive National Football Conference games, championship games, but they went one and three. Yep. So a lot of teams were able to put together good streaks, but also they were depending on who they faced, and that was right. the one thing that made it so important for the Buffalo Bills to make it where they did is because they got there by defeating the likes of John Elway, Dan Marino, Joe Montana, and of course they had perhaps one of the greatest comebacks of all time, the comeback against the Houston Oilers at that time. And uh, that was uh, that was outstanding win for them. And interestingly enough, now we see uh, Frank Reich as the, the beneficiary of some of that play because he came in and replaced Jim Kelly and played against the Houston Oilers. And now you see, of course, Frank Reich is the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. So a little bit of it there, you know, it's kind of fun to look back and and kind of review why teams were what they were and kind of refresh your memory why why it happened. And when you look at the the people that were uh, in the position of creating the architecture to build that, it really was under Bill Polian, who was often thought of as a genius. That's why a lot of people still, even at 77 years of age, they still kind of lean on the guy for his expertise. And then you look at Marv Levy. And Marv Levy was... Uh, he was very, very intelligent. He was uh, he had one of the highest IQs of any coach that's ever coached in the NFL. And, uh, you know, that's that, that kind of a little bit spilled my guts, but at least got us some fodder where we can t- continue talking about the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, another important thing about those four years, that was a great team, but they also faced some pretty darn good teams. They did. In the Super Bowls. You know, they faced Bill Parcells Giants in 90, they faced the Redskins, they faced the Niners with Steve Young, and then they faced the Cowboys with Emmitt Smith, and um, who's the guy, who's the quarterback for the Cowboys? Oh, that guy that's uh, on TV. Yeah, he, he, with Joe Buck, uh, yeah, Troy, yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of like the Cavs going up against the Warriors in the Mm -hmm. past few years. You're going up against 
good team after good team after good team with a running back and quarterback and receivers, Jerry Rice. Like, it's, you know, so you give the Bills a hard time, but they also played some damn good teams. And, you know, you look at some of the players and some of the teams that they did play. You looked at the San Francisco 49ers, and that was at an era when Joe Montana had had quit and been moved along. He, had, he didn't quit. He, he right. just was moved along. He was traded to the Kansas City Chiefs. But, you know, the thing is that Buffalo had that they didn't was that stud, stellar workhorse of a running back in Thurman Thomas. Yep. And the San Francisco 49ers didn't have that. The Denver Broncos didn't have that. Um, you can say about, you know, Miami when, when uh, Marino was there, they didn't have it. It was all about Duper and Clayton and, and Dan Marino, and that was kind of it. But, you know, that's one of the things that you look at is how is that team built? And I, I keep going back to the same thing, and I'm sorry about that for the folks that are, you know, in, in uh, Miami listening or yeah. maybe they're uh, in San Francisco or in Dallas listening. Or Buffalo. You know, oh, man. They are definitely listening in Buffalo. They're all sure. pinned to the radio right now. They're all pinned to their, uh, to their laptop and everything else trying to hear what we're saying on the podcast. But definitely intriguing when you look at all the different aspects. And, you know, one of the things, too, that was important is that there's only been five teams that have ever lost the Super Bowl and made it back the next year. And hmm. only two of those teams have won. One being the Dallas Cowboys and one being the Miami Dolphins. The Dallas Cowboys lost Super Bowl number five, then one number six. Miami lost number six, and then one number seven and eight. Minnesota lost number eight. As you see a little trend here, they're kind yeah. of back to yeah. back and everything. So Minnesota lost number eight and number nine. Then Denver lost number 21, 22, 24. And then Buffalo, we won't talk about it. They have four in a row, but again, they made it. There's only been five teams to ever make it back-to-back Super Bowls, and that I don't think you can overlook. No, definitely not. It's, uh, you know, I think um, we, we might be seeing another team who's, who's uh, building a bit of a dynasty as of late. Uh, so we'll see how that goes over the, the next Buffalo couple Bills? of years. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah. it was either uh, that or the Cleveland Browns. I well, don't know they're, which they're one you're talking about. They're off to their best start probably so. since Jim Kelly. Well, you know, and, and uh, I, you know, one of the things that I do like about Jim Kelly is that he came through that hurricane of Miami. He was a Miami Hurricane quarterback, and there was, there's been a long list of quarterbacks that have, that have played there that have done well, from your Cozars to your Testaverdes to your Kellys. I mean, even Gino Toretta ended up winning a Heisman Trophy as a, as a Hurricane. But it seems like that uh, program has waned a lot. Mm-hmm. It's no longer talked about as the U. No, it's not. You no, never hear not. that. You no. never do. No. You know, and uh, re- the resurgence last week, the, I don't know if you guys got a chance to watch the Clemson-Notre Dame game. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, and I'm by no means a Brian Kelly fan at all, but it seems like he's got that team playing pretty good football. Granted, they were playing against... You know, they weren't playing against the Sunshine. One pick. But that quarterback is he's no a, slouch either. No. You know, he's no, no slouch. No, 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 he's and if you guys, you guys like tight ends? Uh, uh, I'm all right. You can say yeah, that. I don't yeah. know. There's a tight end for Notre Dame who's a freshman, and his name is Michael Meyer, by the way. And uh, oh. stud, just stud. definite stud, freshman. Huh. He, will, he will be the next Gronk. Wow. You watch. Wow. He will be you the next it. Gronk. In two more years, he will be coming out as a junior, and he will be the next Gronk. Okay. You heard I'm it here. Old Fart Sports. You heard old it right fart. here. You heard the old fart spit it out. 
took me a while to spit it out, but I'm by God, we're gonna spit it out at you. So the Buffalo Bills, you know, let's let's talk a little bit about what makes a team the way they are, and it's having something on both sides of the, of the line. Sure. You've right. got to have a good offensive line. You've got to have a good defensive line. And as much as the offense was looked at, I really think it was the, the front seven that really lent a lot to that team. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got the likes of Bruce Smith and Cornelius Bennett. You start with that. You know, Come on. Bruce Smith, the number one pick. Cornelius Bennett, a second pick for the Indianapolis Colts, then moved along. Um, and Pullen was able to pull those strings together and make everything work. And and uh, then the leader of Marv Levy. Um, you know, and I can't remember. I think Marv may have even been a professor for a few years in between his coaching situations there. I think just prior to going to Buffalo, he might have been a professor. Um, Where? You know, I, I, yeah. Right. The way back machine's not going that far back for no, some no. reason. Well, usually, let me get on my I usually go back here. to 50 or 60. You know, right. that, that's right. stuck in my mind. But, you know, the 90s, that was, you know, that was a little bit after the 70s. So a lot of things happened in the 70s. I'll go even further, so. too, with with what it takes to be a great team is all three facets of the game. Special yeah, teams. special teams. And you, and you exactly. alluded to the weapons they had there as well. Yeah, and you know, there's a, a name that we won't mention. We don't want Rory to get upset with us. And, okay. uh, but <clears throat> I can't do it. Okay. I can't do it. Say it. It's number Come three, on. Scott Norwood. Uh, but anyway, you know, that's uh, that's another area of the game that we kind of take for granted. Yes. But with the extra points now moved back, right? it's kind of changed the game a lot it's been amazing to me how um how big of a difference that's made mm-hmm. in games you know i mean you think about it, what do they what do they move back 10 15 yards yeah i mean there it's like a 30 yard kick 35 yeah. yard field goal you know as it is their extra point yeah you'd still think it'd be a chip shot but i don't know man. why more guys don't go for two why not just yeah. put one of your big uh, defensive studs in the backfield and just follow for right sure. behind him what'd you find out about marv levy well, I did. I did see that he coached for the uh, the Alouettes. Oh, did you know you that? Well, I, and I that, any that makes sense too because that's also where Pullian was. Pullian, I believe, really? he was either with the Alouettes or another team. Maybe is the either the Alouettes or the Argonauts, one of the A's, I believe, in Canada. And I believe hey. that might have been where they uh, kind of hooked up and hmm. knew about each other. So yeah. you know, and that's another thing too about talking about fast football and and the way people do it and another guy who was a buffalo bill was it was doug flutie and flutie was a guy that uh you know i really liked him at boston college and that epic game between him and kozar when kozar was at miami on the the black friday and that game was something that will always stand out in my mind with gerald phelan catching the uh the miracle in the uh, last second of the game but uh yeah it's kind of interesting once you kind of get into a guy's psyche like earlier you mentioned uh bill parcells right well the one fact is bill parcells has never won a super bowl without bill belichick on his staff that is true he's never ever won one without bill belichick is that on his coincidence staff. or is that uh, uh no that just shows you how damn good bill belichick is uh you will never ever ever hear me say one bad thing about bill belichick other than he's got big moves well i you did know. see something today <laughs> Um, he signed with the Jets to be the coach. The very next he day, he did. He resigned. And you know why he did that? No, because he didn't want to be there. Yeah. 
you know. Any other thoughts of your Buffalo Bills, your heritage that you've now adopted and, and taken kindly to? Well, you know, I think I've, I've kind of absorbed all the things that I need to know about the past, and I'm really looking for the future. And wow. the team that's, that's currently um, presented in the NFL, I think the coaching staff, um, Sean McDermott, uh, is doing a fabulous job. Um, and I think when I watch him play, or when I watch him coach, I see calm, cool, and collected. And, you know, you don't see him yelling at people. You don't see him doing a Tom Brady on the sidelines. None of that. He's always got his mask on. He doesn't have a problem with that, you know. Uh, a lot of other coaches seem to John have John Gruden huge, does. Yeah, John Gruden, yeah. Draft so picks are going out the window pick, left yeah. and right. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, it starts from the top there. And then you got a quarterback who may not be the best QB in the league, but guess what? He's getting better every year. They've got wide receivers. They've got running backs. They've got tight ends. You know, so I think the Bills have something, you know. They've gone to the playoffs the last two years. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. One of the things that I really like is their defensive secondary. Uh, their defensive yeah. secondary is much I won't say malign because malign means you're failing, but they're not. They don't fail at all. They've got some unsung guys there in in Poyer, and you've got Micah Hyde and a Trey few White. Other guys. That, yeah, Trey. That guy is probably, if not one of the top three, uh, he may be the best cornerback in the entire NFL. Yeah. So. It's definitely. I think Poyer kind of leads the way there. Oh, wh- why would that be? High quality education. Oh, where did he go to school? Uh, the Oregon State University. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, one of the things that uh, I've been teasing you an awful lot the last several weeks about the Buffalo Bills and and Josh Allen in particular, but I have uh, uh, about six years now been a Josh Allen fan. As a matter of fact, I believe it was his sophomore year that they played the the team that you hate, Mm -hmm. uh, that wears green. Yeah. And they played him in Wyoming, and I was going to go to that game, but it turned out to be yeah, it turned out to be pretty sloppy. So I'm glad I didn't go over mm-hmm. there for that. But that was one of the things that I looked at is the situation of how the guy because I did want him for my team. I'll tell you that, and that's one of the reasons was the elevation of Laramie, yeah. the weather in Laramie, mm-hmm. the sure. snow and cold in Laramie. Right. Even though he was a California kid who's used to being working on the ranch, working on the farm. And uh, a lot of people may not know, but he was really kind of uh, emotionally distraught this last game against the Seahawks in that he had just uh, just recently, I mean, what, a day earlier? Or even maybe even that morning had lost his grandmother. Yep. And uh, his grandmother had passed, and that was a situation where nobody saw it coming. Nobody knew it was going to happen. <clears throat> it wasn't like she was ill for a long time. But she came up ill. She got you know, and just yeah, that was it. Well, um, he he might have had his best game as a bill, as a you know, in the NFL against a really damn good team. Well, and you know, if you really want to look around the history of the NFL, if people have done that, you need to know look no farther than Brett Favre because the day his mm-hmm. father passed away, he played on a Monday Night Football game, which is you know, you don't get a bigger stage than Monday Night Football. Yeah, and he lit up, and I believe it was San Francisco that he lit up too. So it wasn't, you know, he wasn't playing the scrubs, and of course last week neither did the, uh, neither did the Buffalo Bills. Although the 32nd defense, maybe, you know, yeah. some people that are Seahawks fans you might not play who you that. play. You play who you play. So you know that that kind of takes us a little bit through the Buffalo Bills, and uh, 
you know, I, I guess if you play who you play, you play the Jets twice, you played the Dolphins right. twice, you played New England twice. And no, that's I six agree. of your sixteen games. So No, you know. I agree with Rory though. No, those I, guys I are too. those guys are set up to be above average and for a long time. You know, when you look at the fact there's only thirty two teams in the NFL, there's only thirty two quarterbacks, well, sixty four quarterbacks plus change. But really when you look at it, when there's only thirty two jobs that can be had You've got to play your best all the time. And yep. uh, right yes, now, Josh Allen sure. is playing his best. So. Rocket, man. Rocket, man. Dude's got a rocket. Though. He does. I mean, I remember in the combines where he actually threw the ball 83 yards in the air at the <laughs> combine. And all the scouts just like, they were showing, they usually don't show any scouts in attendance because it's kind of all kept quiet. But they're showing the scouts when he did that, and their mouths are just a gate it was just amazing yeah so yeah he's uh he's definitely one of a kind Hi folks, it's Podland's number one producer, Liam Flanagan, and I just want to let you know about sponsors. If you're a business owner or manager and you are looking for a great way to get your product out there, becoming a podcast sponsor is just that. Podcasts are listened to all over the world. Podland has had visits from places like Kenya, Ireland, Australia, Vietnam, and almost all 50 states. What's up, Alaska? Don't you like podcasts? Anyway, Becoming a podcast sponsor could be the way to give your business the boost it may need. To become a Podland podcast sponsor, contact me, Liam Flanagan, at liam at podland.productions. That's L-I-A-M at podland.productions. You know, one of the things we are going to go with is we're going to talk a little bit about the NBA draft, which is getting close. And if there's not been a more quiet event, everything around the NBA has been very, very quiet. And uh, that doesn't seem like the Mr. Silver that has been around the last couple of years. Why is he? Why is he so quiet? Why is everything so quiet with that league? That's true. I haven't even thought no. about that. No. No. Yeah. And and in my opinion, they did a great job. Probably the best job out of any professional sports organization during the pandemic. They did. They really did. They did a fantastic job. And, uh, you know, one of the things about the NBA draft that kind of strikes me is that, well, first of all, you've got uh, that damn name that just <coughs> doesn't go away. Uh, and, ball, ball, ball. Yeah, that, that ball name is, ball. you know, I think dad should be, well, anyway, we'll leave him alone. Ball grabber. Uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> maybe he's an itcher. I don't know. Sure. Scratch that itch. Scratch that itch. Go, team, go. Um but it seems like there's uh, like uh, the big three and then everybody else. You know, if you look down the list of players that are looked to be the, the top 15, 20 players, who's ever heard of them? Well, it's so tough, too, because, you know, everything that's the been going stuff, on in the, the last year. Yeah, well, you didn't get yeah, any yeah. March Madness play? Right. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. That's where yeah. everybody that's learns who say. the best players are in the league. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's it's definitely different, I would say, probably than any other year uh, when you're trying to you know make predictions or, or just just look into the draft and and have a good idea of what's going to happen. 
Because um, when we ah. were when we were doing our baseball thing, there was I mean, you you had constant contact with a lot of the scouts and the major league baseball teams that right. were coming into town because it was the only game being played for most most people right. at that point. Well, with this, the scouts had to be like the Maytag repairman, having nothing to do, much to do about nothing. Yeah. Because they certainly haven't been able to do that. But uh, what do you guys know about Mr. Ball Lamelo? Um, well, he's had an interesting ride. I he mean, has. Yeah. He How could, much of it is his dad? Uh, probably a lot of it. Yeah. I mean, you think about it. He committed to UCLA. Then he's in Lithuania. What? Yeah. Next thing you know, he's in China. Oh, wait. No, wait. He's in uh, Australia. Yeah. Plays for a team. After the season's over, buys, buys the team. The team. <laughs> <laughs> well, whoever plays one season for a franchise, next thing you know, he owns it. Yeah, what in the world? That's crazy. That's the craziest story I've ever heard. I it's think uh, maybe that's the Amazing Race instead of actually sports. I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. It has something to do with that. He is the projected number one pick from a lot of people, though. But but you I, don't think I don't that's going to happen? No, I, don't, I think he's going to fall. I think... You know, people saw what his brother Lonzo. I think he's better than Lonzo, but you see what Lonzo did. He might he have was, a better head too, and that's you know not saying a lot because you know his brother's kind of screwed up in the head. But he, he's a damn good passer. But uh, you know, I think Lamelo is a better player. But there's just a lot of you know unknowns. You didn't see him play in college. You didn't see him you know uh, go to school and and handle basketball at the same time. That's what a lot of these guys. Do, but a trend that's going on in basketball in the United States, especially, is that kids are not going to school anymore, yeah, no, which is crazy. One and done. You know, and you got two <clears throat> top 15 guys projected that didn't go to school. James Wiseman, okay, he played three games at Memphis, and then he had his scandal with the money thing. Uh, you got R.J. Hampton, and you got who played in uh, New Zealand, and then you got Lamelo Ball. Three top guys that didn't go to college. I mean, that's pretty crazy. First time since like 2006 where you got those guys, you know, because they made that rule in 2006. Right. You got to be 19 and have one year of removed from high school to play. So this is this will be a really interesting draft, I think. A guy in the NBA draft who I think people are sleeping on. Um, <coughs> is, oh man, already is you Cole Anthony um, from the University of North Carolina, <laughs> coming out of high school a couple years couple years ago. He was the top rated player. Um, in front on everyone's chart and I think he, he's a combo guard 6-2 and he's projected to be the 16th pick in the draft and you know he fell a little bit because he he doesn't make the greatest passes but he can shoot he, he's not afraid to shoot and I think that whoever takes that team he's projected for the 16th pick and the Blazers are picking at 16 this year so probably, they probably won't pick a combo guard because they got a couple no, of those. Yeah, they got Trent, think. they got Simons, they got CJ, they got Dame. But <clears throat> that's a guy to look out for. Cole Anthony, um, 18 points per game last year. And, you know. You could be right. And I think another factor in that is they sucked. So, you know, he's not. Right. North the Carolina. team was not. Yeah. yeah they they sucked. Great. Yeah. So. Basketball is a team game, you know, like yeah. every sport. And that's that's a team that typically you're used to seeing being, you know, top ten in the, in yeah. the nation and and all these prime yeah. time games and, and people are really talking about them. That wasn't the case last year. Right. And a, and a combo guard in, in the NBA uh, or when you're picking one in the draft is not the worst thing to do. I mean, because the combo guards are the guys that handle the ball all the time and you can shoot, and that's the guys you want. If you pick a big man and you and you 
you know, get a good one, that's great. But if you pick a big man and he's not that great, he can't. He already can't shoot probably, and you're not going to be able to trade him. So I, I feel like Cole Anthony, somebody to look out for in this year's NBA draft. What do you guys think of Anthony Edwards? He's a, he's a big boy out of Georgia. Mm-hmm. He has a lot of muscle on. He's, he's ready. I think body, that's he for is sure. ready for the NBA. Yeah. He, you know, he's a guard, but <laughs> I think he can handle a three. And um, we'll see where he goes. I mean, Golden State, is, you know, is there. Well, once so they trade Clay Thompson. Okay, yeah. you know what? <laughs> Get I this think, guy out of here. I think the here. Warriors take him. Trade Clay. You got a new new set of Splash Bros, and uh, you can also get a lot of value out of Clay. Um, yeah, really? I think it, the Cougs. Oh my God! You know? Are you guys serious? No way! Yeah. Yeah, of oh course we're God. serious. Oh my God! Why not? You're gonna trade away a bona fide sharpshooter. I was mean, he injured last year. Do yes. we know he's gonna be? Everything All he, he does is. Last year? Catch a pass and shoot. He doesn't even have to dribble. It's boring. 60 points on 11 dribbles? I mean, come on. Doesn't he even have to dribble? Every time you trade a player away, like Kawhi from the Spurs to the Raptors, what do they get in return? They don't get a fair value. So if you trade a guy like Clay Thompson, you're not going to get, even if you get three players, you're not going to get the same amount of production out of three players as Clay. So that's don't listen to these two, the old fart and the wet one. What do you guys think about the Blazers? What they should do? What they will do? You know, there's an awful lot of rumors out there going around that CJ may be moved, and if <laughs> CJ's moved, then that also could be you know a factor of what direction they go in. But uh, I think they should get a, a frontline player. You know, the one that mm-hmm. I have been hearing about is I can't even say his name that just shows you about the NBA draft so the Villanova point forward or power forward uh, Sadiq Bay and uh, I'm going with Bay is it Bay? Bay I don't know Bay? yeah I don't know I don't know I think you're right I think it's yeah. Bay oh. 6 foot 8 215 you know, I think the other thing forward. is uh, yeah uh, when was the last well I don't know they have a history of uh not taking guys that are your conventional pick either. Yeah, so. definitely. And uh, but the other thing, and the reason why that might be a good idea, is because uh, Carmelo. We don't. What's what's going to happen? We don't know. Carmelo seemed pretty comfortable at the end of the year. I thought so too. Yeah, and I know I was giving you a, a ration of goo, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as as the season was moving along. But uh, he looked like a. I won't say a go-to guy in the but bubble. Yeah, pretty close to in a the go-to bubble. Guy. Yeah, he, he looked good. He I, had the leadership that they needed, uh, you know. And whereas Damian Lillard is, uh, you won't find a guy that's more key than that. He could be the the uh, Wayne Gretzky light of the NBA, but um, you know, I, I don't know. When you look at uh, what Carmelo did, he definitely yeah. uh, made me eat some words toward the end of the season. I think yeah. he really bought into the team and bought into the culture of the team. And, and his role and for his the role. first time yes. later in his career. Yes, but like you, you look at pre-COVID and, and NBA bubble, two different players. Yeah. He got way in shape, but you all he is he was embracing teammates. He was all in and like he was focused. I mean, he was just a different player. You know, and I think he he wants to be back, and I mean, I I hope he is. I mean, I hope he comes back. Me too. Me too. Another guy I'm looking at, Jalen Smith. 
out of Maryland. Mm -hmm. The center, technically, uh, I would say maybe is almost more of a stretch four for the NBA at 610. Um, he's, he's added a little bit of a three-point shot, um, and that's a guy, especially with that position, that I think would be good for the Blazers as well with so much injury and uncertainty at the, at the four. So Yeah, get Zach Collins out of the... Yeah, Portland. I, Get him out. I wouldn't have a problem with that. And it's another guy that, you know, he's, he had so much potential. Still, I think you could argue does have so much potential. But, I mean, is it worth it at Let's this point? Let's move on. Yeah. Let's move on. The experiment is over. It didn't work. Do you Let's see go. a little bit of Myers Leonard in him, perhaps? No, I don't think so. Myers is, uh, I would say Myers is his own breed. Um, I think he's better than Myers. He's more capable than Myers. He's a little bit more versatile. Um, but yeah, I, I we don't... need to replace that spot. I yeah. think, and we need to have some guy that's healthy. And I mean, how many games has he missed over the last two years? Right. A bunch of games. Like I'm saying with the potential, I think that um, yeah, if he's playing, there's, there's teams that will see value in him, and you can get something for that. I want to talk about there only being two rounds in the draft. Mm -hmm. You like that? Is that for, yeah. Um, I mean, no. baseball went with five rounds of the draft yeah. this year because they right. kind of had to. Yeah. You know, but with basketball, uh, I can remember back when there used to be 15 rounds of the draft. That also was at a time when there was two different leagues. Yeah. And you would take, you know, the sixth guy off of, uh, you know, Simon Fraser University up in Canada to, uh, to fill out your roster. But now it seems so much different. Now you're finding guys all over the world instead right. of just yeah. in the college programs. I don't really like it, to be honest, because like you just said, you know, it's, it's so much more of an international pool where they're picking their players from. And uh, I think you could argue that there are two leagues, as much as you said earlier that, you know, the, the minor league system mm -hmm. with air quotes there isn't quite what it is in, in other leagues. Uh, the G League is picking up traction, and For sure. there's good players in the G League, and so, and, and I think the goal of the NBA over the last couple of years is to continue to build that out and really make that a minor league system. And then you go to two rounds, and it's you know it's, it doesn't make that really possible. I don't think. Although in the NBA, I think they know who the the best players are. They might miss on some guys, but. As a group of t for two rounds, I think they know who the guys are who are gonna who are gonna really you know make it in the NBA. That you can really project because you watch them in college and the in the college game isn't that. I mean, it's different for sure, but it's not that different than other sports where you somebody you know coming out of college for baseball. If you were to put them in on a lineup on a major league team, you know, I think they get murdered. But in in the NBA. You know, the game has changed where you, you don't have to build up that muscle mass and you don't have to have that much more experience. You can, you know, just shoot and, and drive to the hoop and score, and I think that's easier. If you can ball, you can ball. You know, I do like uh, I do like a guy who can shoot, and uh, Therese Hall Halliburton is probably the best one that I can think of in this draft. And when you can shoot 43% from the three-point line, you can uh, start shooting as soon as you get across the stripe. Another guy kind of in the smaller category who you know I think some people may be overlooking some people may not be is uh my West Lynn guy PP3 Peyton Pritchard 
I'm really interested to see what's going to happen. Say that five there. times real quick. PP3, Peyton Pritchard. 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 That was five right on the money. But um, I think he's projected at like 32 or something. So I'm interested to see if he cracks the, the first round or, or not. But I think that guy's got a lot of potential, really. I, I do as kind of a secondary point guard to come in and, and, you know, keep the system going the way that you want it to as a coach. Um, and, and he's a winner, right? He's a winner. He's right, a in winner. high school he had some impressive stats. All four years that he went to high school, he won the state championship. Wow. Yeah. That uh, tells you one thing right there. The guy knows how to uh, lend to a – Lend to leadership and knows how to win, so that's yeah. that's awesome stuff. Yeah, so that is awesome. Yeah, I'm interested to see how that all shakes out. But you know, we were talking a little bit about the Portland Trailblazers and not to uh, beat that uh, horse into the ground, but um, you know, Brandon Roy and then also uh, with uh, Damon Lillard, those were guys that were right in about the middle of the first round. Of course, Roy was traded and then ended up here, but. Um, those were not exactly your upper echelon draft picks when they came yeah. out, but it shows you how much scouting can lend to finding that right fit. Mm-hmm. And uh, much as where we were talking about Bill Polian with the Buffalo Bills, where you've got a 50-some-odd man roster, 53, um, you know, it's even more important that you get the right components in, when you're talking about the NBA. Yeah, and it seemed like uh, the Portland team was able to do that when they did bring those guys in. You know, it would have been interesting to uh, um, to see Brandon play a little bit longer of his career before he had the the knee stuff going on. But you know, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, um, we just are uh, kind of having a little bit of fun talking about some uh, some sports here and talking about the Buffalo Bills and the That's NBA draft. But yeah. you know, one of the things that we need to do is we mm-hmm. need to look into. The picks that Parker predicted. Yeah, yeah. Parker's predicted picks. Well, I've had some tough weeks. I've had some good weeks. And uh, I would say this one falls in the middle mm-hmm. for week nine last week. Um, yeah, there were a few things that happened that I, I wasn't expecting. I wasn't prepared for, such as uh, my first pick, the New Orleans Saints versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I, I said, take Tampa Bay on the money line. And uh, didn't quite work out how I thought it would. Tom kind of had a little struggle there. Yeah, I don't know. I, was, I don't really know what the problem was. But uh, yeah, Buccaneers got to kind of figure it out. You know, they they got a good record, but last few weeks they look a little vulnerable. I would say in some situations. So it'll be interesting. I think I think they'll bounce back. Um, but yeah, last week they got smoked by the Saints. So didn't get that one. Uh, game two was the Ravens at the Colts. I said take Baltimore on the money line. Got that one. That, that was, was a good game. That was a that great was game. was a good game. Yeah, and it was close. I thought it would be close, and it was. Yeah, I, I was the Both same. defenses played really well, and Lamar is kind of struggling there. Yeah, I think this week again also uh, – going to be a bit of a bounce back week for Lamar I think I think it's going to be uh, some points scored in that game but we'll get to that in a little bit uh, Seattle at Buffalo was my third game Rory is happy to hear that I lost that one as well uh, I said 
I'd take Seattle on the spread at minus three, thinking that, you know, at the worst, it would be a, a push, but uh, give all the credit to Buffalo. They they looked really good. Especially real early. I mean, they yeah. got out to a quick oh, yeah. quick lead in that game. Yeah. They, they definitely gave it to the Seattle. Did they ever? Yeah. All over they the never trailed, did they? No. Yeah, no. they never trailed. So, yeah, it was an impressive win. Uh, you know, they're at home. Typically, Seattle is, like, really, really good at traveling. Um but yeah, you know, that's that's what happens. It's the NFL any given week. So didn't get that one. Game four, Carolina Panthers at the Kansas City Chiefs. I said take the Chiefs on the spread at minus 10.5. Surprising performance by Carolina there. Um, really made it a good game. Chiefs ended up winning it, but uh, what was it, like two points? Yeah, 33 to 31. And they 31. got CMC back too, so that was uh, good for Carolina. Yeah, and it's good to see Christian McCaffrey back on the field. I yeah. Mean, um, you know, their best player. I mean, just straight up. That's that's their best player. So it's good to see them and and they were they've been playing okay without him too. So it'll be kinda interesting to see how Carolina finishes out the year. I you know what was really interesting that I saw in a pregame discussion that uh not often do you see a coach kind of backpedal and backtrack mm. on a coaching hire. But Andy Reid really gave himself a bunch of grief and really created quite a stir about saying he should have hired rule on his staff and mm. i don't know if that's just in preparation for seeing eric Bieniemy perhaps leaving as an mm -hmm. african-american there have been some rulings that have come out recently and and assured the nfl that which we could talk about that too that uh, is interesting yeah the rewards that you're going to get I mean, for for a you know raising an african-american front office person or coach and then once they're they're going to another place then you get two third round draft picks and successive years of a supplemental draft pick it's weird to me and it's i think kind of almost embarrassing for the nfl that they have to provide incentives for them to for teams to be hiring uh black african-american coaches yeah. and, and and front office staff members it's and i don't know why they wouldn't you know, there's so many great African American players. I mean, and yeah. I mean, there's not three, four, five, six of them that could be coaches in the NFL right now. You know, I there, just don't understand it. How how many more picks do you have? You have two more that you're going to talk from last week. Because there uh, is another thing. Okay, there is another thing when you're done that I want to talk okay. about. Yeah, game five was uh, Houston Texans at the Jacksonville Jaguars. I said take Houston at minus six and a half. They ended up winning it by two. And you know why? And your boy looked good. He looked good. Uh, yeah, he did. Uh, he looked good. Jake Luton. <laughs> Luton, he's starting again this week. Yeah. Um, yeah, 304 yards, two passing touchdowns. Did have a pick, which was probably to be expected. But uh, also a nice little 17-yard scamper into the end zone with the spin move to finish it off. Well, yeah. and that was one of the things I was going to touch on is he he didn't appear to be like a first-game jitter guy. Yeah, no. I mean, you know, yeah, he didn't look like he's about ready to crap his pants. He wasn't timid. No. no. He, well, just he spent a year at Idaho, so that's, I think that's why. There you yeah. go. Yeah. There you go. So we can both root for him. Yeah. All right. Uh, one thing, though, to finish off week nine, five-way parlay on the money line, Kev. It went through. Did it? Kansas City, Pittsburgh, New England, Houston, Green Bay. They all won. And, you know, there's so many people that would just poo-poo the parlay situation. But, uh, hey, if you keep popping on them, then what? people need to be listening up. Yeah. Lee's yeah. probably out there. He's probably listening. Oh, yeah. So I'm Absolutely. sure Lee's on board. So no doubt. Lee's got his own opinion, too. Yep. Well, here we go. We are 
double digits now for the NFL. Okay. It's week 10, man. Uh, Doesn't it fly? It's crazy. It really is crazy. But um, it's been a fun year. It's been it entertaining. Been. Yeah. I've enjoyed it. So, um, yeah, week 10. I got, as usual, five games where I'm picking on the, the spread, the money line, the over-under, and then I'll leave you with a five-way parlay. Uh, game number one, we got the Houston Texans at. Oh, uh, who is it? Who is it? Kev, who is it? Uh, uh, I, I don't know. I get ridiculed about them too much. Okay. I don't know. Houston Texans at the Cleveland Browns. Uh, right now, the spread is sitting at minus three and a half for Cleveland. Uh, money line is Cleveland minus 175. Houston plus 150 in the over-under at 48 and a half. I'm, I'll tell you what, Kevin. I'm going to go Cleveland on the money line. And if these guys don't win this week, I'm I'm losing faith. Well, all I can tell you is who they got coming back. <laughs> well, they got a running back that his team doesn't have. That's true. Nick Chubb. They've got okay. two of them. They got Ryan Teller, who they got from Buffalo, there you who go. looks like an all-pro guard. Yeah, thank, thank you very much. I'm just for, saying, you know, I've gone with them on the spread. I've gone with them on the money line. They've got they've, Austin, they've done well Austin for me. Hooper, they've their tight end, coming back. There you go. All right. Well, that's why I'm taking Cleveland on the money line. They're at home against Houston, who's really just not looking so good. And uh, yeah, I'm taking Cleveland on the money line. I don't feel bad about it. But if they lose, I'm telling you, I'm gonna I'm gonna start getting skeptical. Uh, There's something I want to add to that, too, okay. is that Deshaun Watson is 2-0 and against the Browns. Okay. And Romeo Cornell is the head coach and former head coach of the Cleveland Browns who will be coaching for the Houston team, Texans. Yeah. So he was a loser in Cleveland, and now he's a loser in Houston. Well, you know, he was a winner somewhere because he got a job somehow. I don't know how he did that. but Well, Billy. Uh, game number two. At least his name's not precious. That's <laughs> true. It is true. Uh, game number two, we got San Francisco, the 49ers, and they're playing at the New Orleans Saints. Spread on this is New Orleans at minus nine and a half. Uh, money line, New Orleans minus 417 and the over under at 49 and a half. I'm taking New Orleans. On the spread, minus nine and a half. They're going to win by 10 or more. Damn. Uh, yeah. Damn is right. They did it to uh, they did it to the Bucks last week, so I don't see why they can't do it to San Francisco with a backup quarterback, especially at home. I, I don't feel bad about that. Game number three. This is going to be a fun one. The Los Angeles Chargers playing at the Miami Dolphins. Um, Rory, you've spoken about it a little bit. Justin Herbert, it's kind of, it's, well, it's not a shame for me to watch, but oh. he's playing well. He's playing every really well. Week. Yeah. Every week. And he yeah. just loses every week. Yeah. To just barely. You can only play offense. Like. He can't play defense. So. Exactly. He's going to win rookie of the year and maybe get two or three wins. It, that's something that really could happen, which is crazy. But uh, the spread is Miami minus two and a half. Uh, Moneyline Miami minus 149 over under 47 and a half. I think this is going to be a fun game to watch. I think it's two young quarterbacks going at it. Slinging Miami's it. Miami's crazy it. good, man. you got to watch Miami. Don't sleep on They're Miami, I'm telling you. And Tua, I mean, 
you know, I think a lot of people were kind of questioning the decision, but if you think about it, they they put him in at a time where he has the opportunity to get some some experience under his belt, uh, where if they can get to the playoffs, yeah. you know, who knows? And they who got knows? a good roster. They've got yeah. a great defense. Yeah. So with that said, I'm going to be taking Miami on the money line, minus 149. It's not going to be much uh, worse odds than it would be if you're taking them on the spread. It's probably minus. 105 minus 110 so i'm taking miami on the money line just to be a little extra safe and i think that's probably correct i would say that yeah uh number four minnesota vikings at the chicago bears another game that has the potential to be pretty fun uh neither team probably in the position that they would like to be in but nonetheless i think this is going to make for an entertaining game we got minnesota minus two and a half on the spread Minus 154 on the money line, the over-under at 43.5. The over-under there is a little enticing, 43.5. I think that's uh, probably, it's probably going to be right around there, but I'm going to take Minnesota on the money line, uh, again, just to be a little extra safe, and that's kind of how I feel about this whole week. You know, it's there's going to be some good games in the NFL, and we get to game five. Rory's Buffalo Bills are playing at Arizona. I know you have Sneaky an opinion on game. what's going to happen there, Kevin. I I have a feeling, but, you know. What's your feeling? Uh, indigestion. What's your feeling? Okay. Well, we better wrap this thing up pretty soon then. Uh, man, I don't, I don't know how to feel about this one. I, I had to make a decision, so that's what I did. I think this is going to be definitely a one-possession game. I'm feeling the same way, Rory, as about your team as I am Kevin's team. I'm going to take them on yeah. the money line, plus 105. Uh, but if they don't pull it out, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I, I want to buy into Josh Allen, but I can't do it yet. I just still can't do it. You know, as much as that guy can throw the ball all over the field, sometimes that is the problem, that he throws the ball all over the field. Exactly. And whereas Skyler, or Kyler Hunter, or Kyler Hunter. You <laughs> <laughs> really. Throwing, throwing myself back into a uh, pickle uh, frame of mind there. Kyler Hunter was a player that was signed by them back about three years ago. Um, Kyler Murray. Kyler um, Murray. Uh, that guy has as much of ability as as there is in the nfl just doesn't have the size so yeah, we'll yeah. see how it that, holds up that's why i'm nervous for this game i mean i think the right. bills can pull it out but he, i mean kyler is just the x factor in the league right now i mean he's just quicker faster and he's a great decision maker yep. you know i mean well, he's just got you it all you know guy. you've got you've got digs on one side but then you've got hopkins hopkins, hopkins on the other side exactly. and larry fitz mm-hmm and then you've got uh, Christian Kirk, who's not been not somebody you should sleep on of late either. Arizona's another one of those sneaky teams. Yeah. And they, they're and good. They're finally finding a way to use Isaiah Simmons. Mm. And Isaiah Simmons was the guy, the defensive stud that yeah. I believe he was with Clemson. And people were going, well, you can play him all over the field. And yeah. I think... I think Kingsbury has finally figured out that he can put him anywhere on the field and he's going to come yeah. through and make a play. And they got Buda Baker, too. That yeah. guy is a stud. Well, oh he's God. not enough of a stud that he can beat Metcalf in a That's foot true. race. That's true. Last thing for Week 10 is the, the five-way parlay. It hit last week. I have a feeling it's going to hit again this week. I'm going to go, this is straight on the money line, Green Bay, New Orleans, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, 
and it was tough, but I had to throw in Las Vegas. That's, there you go. That's my five-way parlay for week 10. Mark Davis likes that. Yeah, yeah. He also likes putting a bowl on his head. <laughs> He's never found a weed eater he didn't like to use on his head. Uh, did you guys happen to see the expose on DK Metcalf last week? Mm-hmm. Do you know the guy uh, about six months ago, he was almost dead? No. Yeah. No, I didn't hear it. What yeah. Uh, I'll leave it out there. We'll tease the audience a little bit. Let's talk about them about that next week. Sure. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, very intriguing. So wow. I'm sure that you guys can uh, find a way to see that. So it was very can. interesting, yeah. Uh, his father was an offensive lineman for the Chicago uh, Bears. Wow. So Terrence Metcalf. But, uh, yeah. Matter of fact, he was, uh, he was lifting weights when he was five. Well, it looks like it. Yeah, it doesn't look like it ever stopped either. So, anyway, uh, there you go. That was uh, n- some nice picks, and uh, we look forward to having you undefeated again this week. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens with that. And Roar Dog, best of luck to your Buffalo Bills this week. And well, thank you. Uh, and your Browns, Kevin. Well, you know, anytime you have a brown spot, you got an orange spot too. What What was the one thing you wanted to get to? Well, the one thing that I did here today is that uh, you know there may be a lot of people actually pulling for. COVID cancellations of games. Why is that? Because if there are more games that are canceled, they're going to extend it from seven wild card, uh, seven playoff teams per conference to eight. Mm-hmm. I heard so, about that. Yeah, last week so that could actually that. be stuff that people will kind of look at that they're you know they're figuring out ways that they can make more money, and that's yeah. that's one thing that the NFL does second to none. You know, they figure out a way to make more money. They figure out a way to pay their players. And I think they're already trying to figure out a way they're going to do that next year when they've got, you know, the loss of games this year if they do the revenue that's not going to allow them to uh, pay their players. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't know if I like that. That's, I don't know. Getting COVID tested and Well, I don't like tests. COVID, but, you know, more sure. football is more football, you know. And I, more you playoff know, football yeah, is more exactly, playoff football. Exactly. And if I have to look at Carolina or whoever else, you know, if it benefits my team, and I'm sure, Rory, if it benefited your team, if your team uh, had an injury and, you know, things weren't what they seem like they are now, and I'm sure you'd be in for it at that point. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. What maybe. I'm not wrong about is the fact that, it's been real. It's been fun. <laughs> it's been real fun. And we're going to do it again next week right, right here on Old Fart Sports with the Old Fart and two wet ones. Boom. This has been a Podland Productions production recorded at Downstairs Studio in Portland, Oregon. For more information on Podland and for more Podland podcasts, go to podland.productions. While you're there, subscribe to the email newsletter for sneak peeks, giveaways, and more. Thanks for listening. Podland Productions.